You're listening to The Church Boys Freefall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys Podcast, and I am very excited to have Beth Nemo on the line. She's the mother of Rachel Joy Scott, who is the subject of a new film that will be coming out next month called I Am Not Ashamed. How are you doing today, Beth? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. So we, I mean, I was just telling you before we, we started the interview that we had Sadie Robertson on the show to talk about I Am Not Ashamed, and it, it's really just um, a, a very fascinating film, and I have not had a chance to see it, but I'm really excited to to dive in and, and get a chance to do so. Um, you know, I want to just start with uh, why, and I've known Rachel's story for, for years. I know a lot of people have. Um, through books that your family has produced and that you've written. And now uh, this film, which is going to tell the story, um, her story, is going to be coming out across the country. Just take me through why it was you you wanted to bring this to the big screen and what you're hoping people will take away from it. Well, you know, um, you know through the books and things that Rachel left a legacy of writings. And they were letters to God, uh, prophecies, there were, there were so many things, uh, drawings, and so much of it had purpose. And uh, even though we've shared, if she's been shared to millions over the past 17 years, we've, we've never done anything that brought it to the big screen. My goal for doing the movie was to share Rachel's life more than just her death, although we have just a little bit of that in there because she was the first person that was killed at Columbine High School. So um, it, it's about her living out her faith. And a lot, of, a lot of people are aware of her acts of kindness and her compassion and, and how she reached out to new kids and bridged a lot of gaps for kids at school. But not a lot has been said in a real broad platform about her faith. And it was her faith that caused her to be the person she was at school or towards her friends or at work or wherever she might be. The, the foundation for all of that was her undying love and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I felt very strongly that, you know, most of us are all multifaceted. We've got many levels to who we are and why we do what we do. And I just felt like it was very critical that people see that all the good things that she's been credited for doing and saying really comes from her love for the Lord. And so I, uh, I partnered with Benny Prophet, a first priority. We have Life Vision. He and I have shared the platform for many years, speaking together. And uh, we were one in how we wanted to see this story used and utilized. And it was mainly to reach the lost and to unite the church in so many ways. And so um, it just became it became um, something that's been in my heart for a long, long time. I knew that I was supposed to do something with this. But, and um, it all kind of came together with I'm Not Ashamed movie. Well, I, I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm 32 years old now. So when this, when Columbine happened, I was, um, I was a freshman in high school and I lived in New York. I was totally removed from it, but I remember I was homesick that day and I just remember seeing it on TV and, and it really, I think it was the first event in, in this country, um, that the first shooting event that really 
I think, shocked the American conscience. And unfortunately, tragically, there have been so many others since. But I think there was something about that event that, that showed us that something, wasn't, something was wrong. Something was very wrong um, in, in culture and society. And, and people have debated and discussed that since and, and tried to figure that out. But you, know, you, you were so personally affected, obviously, by this event, um, losing a child, which I can't imagine. And you know, flashing forward 17 years... And I know this is such a loaded question, but how how did Columbine, how did that event change your life, change your family, and, and what are some of the things that you've learned over the years through all of that? Well, it was a drastic change. It changed it changed our whole day, our, our whole way of living life. Um, first of all, Columbine was the most significant up to that point. Um, school shooting, and it, it literally impacted the world. It, it went around the world, and the magnitude of what happened, and kids killing kids, people just, they, they didn't know how to respond to that except out of deep sorrow and grief, you know, and so um, Columbine became um, almost, uh, well, it is, it's not, it hasn't become, it, it, it actually is like the hook word or the trigger word for any shooting now, Columbine-style shooting. They, they relate it back to what happened on April the 20th of 1999, and they used that as a catch-all to kind of paraphrase um, the, the current event of whatever is happening. And uh, it totally changed us. Um, not only did I lose Rachel, but I had a survivor and in order to not have two Columbine victims, my son Craig needed constant care. So the first thing I had to do was quit working. I had to stay home and take care of my two sons that were still in the home. And um, so that was the most immediate change for me. But then after discovering her writings and what God was doing in her life, we knew there was purpose and destiny in that. And it wasn't just to give us comfort. It wasn't just for us to hold on to. There was a, um, like a calling. We were supposed to do something of significance with what we'd been given through her, her death. And so um, it... Um, it literally galvanized us to step forward uh, and start speaking and started sharing um, Rachel's writings and her drawings and her letters and prayers to the Lord. And every time we shared those things, the, the response was so traumatic and spiritual and impacting that um, we knew the Lord had left a witness to be raised up out of that horrible day. Um you know, there was a lot of attention given to the two shooters of Columbine about the fact that they had planned this for a whole year. They wrote in their journals. They spent hours with their timelines. One of the catchwords they used was they wanted to start a chain reaction of violence. One of the catchwords Rachel used in one of her writings was, I want to start a chain reaction of compassion. So once you started seeing... The, the darkness of that day, and then you started comparing it to the light and the witness that God had put in motion and put in place, because he's a God of redemption. So everything that happens, the Lord, the Lord knows how that can be turned and worked for our good, even though it's 
painful, extremely painful. Uh, Columbine was the worst thing we've ever experienced as a family. But because he had been doing all of these wonderful things in her heart, in her life, and she had been willing and committed and obedient to, to put it down on paper, we had something that we could bring redemption from that day. And so... Um, Eve was so private, nobody knew that they existed until after her death. And and so we we saw a purpose for Rachel being allowed to be part of this Columbine Day in the way that she was and even losing her life, uh, declaring the name of the Lord. Um it it totally cha- it just you asked about change. There's nothing that's been the same since that day. There's nothing that really relates. It was like finding the new normal. You just had to jumpstart your life all over again and figure out how to get through the day. And for a number of years, it was just a day-by-day existence, even though we had something good that we could see uh, with the writings. The, the process was still quite painful and very long. Um, now, the writings have been a huge focal point for so many people. I think there's a lot of things that happen in life, and, and so many people doubt God, they doubt their faith. And then you have these glimmers, you have these moments, these events, these things that happen, these details that I think um, bring people back to faith, help people see deeper into into what faith means. And the writings for a lot of people, Rachel's writings, have been one of those moments. And I think in the book Rachel's Tears, the, the way that you guys put that, that book together in, in detailing some of that really um, brought it to light and... and what for you, um, not only as a parent, because I know you're obviously you're so interweaved into this and it's your daughter, but what did you find the most um, shocking and the most intriguing of, of the writings after discovering them and, and having a chance to look at them? I, I think it was um, how many writings uh, touched on death. Um, you know, uh, she she wasn't... She wasn't suicidal. Um, I mean, but she thought about it. But she wasn't. She wasn't um, depressed. Rachel had a joy for life, a joy for living. Um, she never communicated um, that um, you know that that she she considered death. Although I have to say, she would comment that she couldn't see a future for herself. She couldn't see herself getting married. She couldn't see herself um, having children. She never, She said, I just can't envision that for myself. But I think after seeing a lot of the writings that talk about um, one of the May 2nd, 1998 um, writings said, this will be my last year, Lord. I've gotten what I can. Thank you. Okay, as a mother, if I had seen some of these writings that talk about her feelings of uh, 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 premature or shortened life, life, you know, I would have been all over that trying to figure out what's going on with Rachel. Rachel, what's wrong? How, what do you What do you need? How can I take care of this for you? You know, and the truth is, Billy, I would have interrupted what God was doing in her heart and in her spirit had I seen those things. So it was so private, and it was so just between her and the Lord that nobody could, not only interrupt, but nobody nobody was able to taint what was happening. It was a pure, it was a pure communication from a young girl to her Heavenly Father. And 
so the Lord was preparing her. I don't think she knew how, when, or where, of course, but he was preparing her that at some point in time she may lay down her life for his namesake. And um, on April the 20th of 1998, exactly one year to the date of the shooting, she says that. She says, now that I've begun to walk my talk, my friends make fun of me and they turn me away, but I'm not going to apologize for speaking the name of Jesus, and I'm not going to hide the light that God has put into me. If I have to sacrifice everything, I will. I will take it. Well, young, one year to the day of that writing, she did exactly that. She took it. She laid down her life, confessing the Lord. And so um, I, I think that um, even though those things were painful for me to see, um, now that in hindsight I can see how God orchestrated all that and how he's allowed uh, a spiritual platform to, to rise up out of that dark day, uh, a hope, a redemptiveness. Um, it, it, everything comes full circle. There's purpose. There's destiny. There's reasons why certain things uh, were said and done the way they were. And God knew that there was going to be come a day in the history of this country and this nation, we we need to be, have something that could redeem us. Part of the reason for doing this movie is our goal is to touch a whole generation of young people who they've never experienced Columbine. You know, a lot of them haven't even experienced 9-11, and uh, they don't understand the pain of that, that kind of catastrophic loss. But... Um, they're still looking for purpose. They're still looking for something bigger than themselves, something they can champion, something that they can throw their life into. And I tell kids all the time, the Lord isn't calling you to die for Him. He's calling you to live for Him. And sometimes that's such a tough walk because our society and our culture right now literally breed signs of death. We see it everywhere around us. Um, you know, violence is glorified. Uh, kids, they don't know what life's all about. They're, they're searching for a reason to keep living. Suicide is prevalent among young people today. So there's, there's a lot of reasons why we feel like we had, God gave us something to the life and death of our daughter. And we, we have an assignment with this. We're supposed to redeem everything that can be redeemed from the loss and the tragedy of that day. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, when I talked about those moments of, you know, building faith, I think the writings, I, I think any person, let's, let's say you're an atheist, you, you go and you look at those details of what you just described and you look at those journal entries. Um, and from what I recall, the image of, of the eyes with the tears coming down, all of those details in light of the events that happened, it's an impossibility that there wasn't something bigger going on there. Um, right. and, and that's what struck, has always struck me again, telling you that as a, I mean, the reason that I went into journalism and it is because of, in a lot of ways, because of that event, because it motivated me to want to do something good and, and to want to do something to try to help people by spreading positive messages. And I think there has been such a, in such an evil, awful event, so much good has, has come out of that, um, and and really, it sounds like this film is another move in that direction of trying to to motivate people, young people especially, um, to experience some of that. And so I I really appreciate what you guys um, are doing and, and what you your family has continued to do to to bring this message out there. Uh, what 
Um, if you could, and, and not to be repetitive, but I just want to ask this, if you could get a viewer, let's say you have somebody in front of you, they're going to watch the movie, if you could get them to feel or think one thing after seeing I Am Not Ashamed, what would that be? Um, that Rachel, um, Rachel found something worth living for and something worth dying for. To her, it was one and the same. It was, it was her faith. And, um, she, she based all of her writings and her, her ethics, her code of ethics, which was an essay that she wrote, all of that is based on her love and her, her trust in the Lord. And um, I want kids to know that their their life has value and purpose. I want them to take, I want, one of the takeaways is that it's not rocket science to do, to do something. Rachel, even though she wrote these prophetic sayings, you know, probably when she was writing it, she wasn't thinking of being a world changer. You know what I'm saying? She wanted to be. She said, I want to change the world. But yeah. when it comes to really believing it, <laughs> right. she didn't know that the simple things and the simple acts of kindness, the simple deeds, uh, just the simplicity of obedience is what changes the world. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And I think... Um... Just, just my last question for you. Um, it's been 17 years, but I think the pain of an event that traumatic never fully goes away. You, it never escapes you. Is it ever hard? Is it hard for you and for your family to tell the, this story? Because I know it's something that you guys talk about a lot. I mean, how do you? I guess, and I, maybe the broader and better question is, how do you process through that, and and how are you able to continue sharing that story despite? The emotional difficulty, I imagine, is, is there in doing that. Well, the Lord has certainly given us grace um, for for sharing it. I can still weep today. Really, it, it, the pain and loss I feel all the time where Rachel's concerned. But I have a hope that the light, the seventeen years that God gave this little girl to me to be, and I got the honor of being her mother. Um, that God entrusted Rachel, but he he also entrusted me, you know, to have this child. And I have I have to say I'm humbled by that. And I'm like, Lord, if I'm picking up the fallen torch here, help me help me to carry that well. Help me to you know to uh, catch everything and impart everything that I can from from the life lesson, from the loss, from the events of that day. Um, I I can still feel the pain of it, but the Lord has given great mercy uh, and grace for us to be able to use the pain for His glory and His good. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I lied because I said that was my last I do have one more question for you. Um, no problem, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do this all the time. Oh, I'm done. No, I have another one. Um, what would you say, because I think we live in a world where you mentioned a lot of the state of where we are culturally, but we also, there are struggles to understand forgiveness and we see that play out in news stories all the time. I think there's a confusion about what forgiveness means and you and your, um, you and your family, you were faced with a situation where you, um, really could have made a decision not to forgive because of the anger and the pain, or you could have made a decision to forgive. 
what have you learned about forgiveness and how hard is that to do in a situation that is so awful and ugly and one that there really isn't a resolution and that you get to confront the people responsible? Well, I'm personally glad that I've never had to confront those two boys. But my my position on forgiveness and our family's kind of a, adopted this too. First of all, we forgive because the Lord commands us to forgive. And it's a process. It's not just one time saying, Oh, I forgive the shooters of Columbine. Since they planned for a whole year to go out and commit murder and put my daughter on the target list, you know, yeah. <laughs> that can bring yeah. a lot of pain and anger, right? Right there, you know. But what what I what I've come to the conclusion about Billy is that for Rachel, what happened that day was a life sentence. For it not to be my life sentence, I have to let go of the anger, let go of the pain, and say, God, today I choose once again to forgive. I, you know, it doesn't do it doesn't matter to those boys if I forgive them or not. It doesn't ever matter usually to a perpetrator or an abuser. You know, if the the abused or the person that's suffered at that person's hand, it, it doesn't matter to them if they're forgiven or not. It only matters to the person that it happens to. And I think as Christians, a lot of times we we equate uh, forgiveness as saying, well, I forgive you, so that means it's all right. Well, it doesn't mean it's all right. You know, it doesn't take away consequences of wrongdoing. Um I'm, uh, by forgiving the boys, I'm not saying it was it's okay what you did. What I'm saying is there's one key that unlocks that prison for me, and that's the key of forgiveness. And I choose not to make that a life sentence in my life. I choose to forgive you because you are not going to dictate what happens to me for the rest of my life. And um, and I think that's one reason why the Lord says we're commanded to forgive, because He understands it releases us from living at that point in time when that happens to you, for whatever it might be. You know, um, there's a lot of loss. There's a lot of people that have lost so much in the world today. Um, and in order not for that to define who they are, we should, you know, we can, we can, it can happen to us. It can be painful and hurtful, but we can also lay that down and say, I choose to move forward. I choose to do something good out of that pain. And you can't do that real well when all the time you're fearing anger and resentment and bitterness, you know? Yeah. You can't, you can't flow freely when those are the ties that bind you up. And you're constantly living that moment. You're constantly playing that tape over and over again in your head. You're constantly verbalizing what you would have done if you could have been there, you know? And that's what we do. That's what our human nature wants to do. It, it wants to relive uh, those horrible moments because we were so hurt by them. But forgiveness gives you an option of saying, okay, you got me. You hurt me. And it hurt bad. And it's going to take me a while to get on my feet. But I will. I will make it. And I, I this won't be my life sentence. Well, this has been wonderful. And I would love to have you back on again. I think there's so many other issues we could talk about here relating to this event and where we are today. And um, we're going to make sure we link out to the film, I Am Not Ashamed, and, and let people get a chance to check the trailer out as well. I appreciate you coming on the show today. I'm so happy to do it. Anytime I'm happy to talk.
Church Boys.